0: I'm Hillary Hendershot, your host, and this is Profit Boss Radio, Episode 96. Profit Boss Radio is your weekly wealth mastermind. Profit Boss is also a community and a movement for women who are ready to take control of their money, break the glass ceiling, and give ourselves permission to finally have enough want the secrets of wealth to be yours this is the place i'm hillary hendershot i'm a certified financial planner running a leading advisory firm for women and i'm sharing with you real stories from real life and real women who are making it happen forget wall street let's do this ladies Joining me today on Profit Boss Radio is one of our listeners and a member of the Profit Boss community who reached out to me with a pretty amazing story of financial turnaround. She went from debt to wealth since she's been listening to the podcast. And so, of course, I wanted to feature her and highlight her. We'll only be using her first name today. We always protect the innocent on Profit Boss Radio. And so her name is Rebecca, and she's here with me on the line. Rebecca, do you prefer I call you Beck? Yes. Okay, so she's back.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a funny one because actually having lived in the U.S., I know people would kind of don't tend to use nicknames, but here in Australia, you just get given that kind of from early childhood.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, we have nicknames. Uh, don't allow people to call me Hill or yeah. Larry anymore. My father used to call me Larry. Hi, Larry, because that's Hillary. It's kind of crazy. So now you kind of start with us in the middle. When was it that you realized you had kind of a financial... Problem that you wanted to solve?
1: I think I kind of knew I had a financial problem in that I was accumulating more and more debt, but I kind of didn't, I don't think I really saw a problem with it per se, or I sort of didn't like I kind of thought, oh yeah, when I earn more money, I'll kind of fix it. And so I didn't really think that it was something that I needed to solve right there and then, but I think actually big catalyst for me was meeting my now husband. When I met him, he was at the complete opposite side of the spectrum I was an overspender and he was kind of I like to coin it a money hoarder Um, he saved really really well and honestly I think I remember it so vividly it was sort of like we actually kind of moved very fast and so when I first met him I think it was on kind of our third or fourth date where we kind of both were coming I guess clean about stuff or kind of telling our, our deep Dark Secret. Yes,
0: yes. I've had that conversation.
1: <laughs> yeah. And mine was, I knew that he had, you know, he had a lot of money and he'd kind of saved really well. I kind of just gathered that because he kind of drove a nice car and he, I, I knew that he'd sort of done quite well. But he didn't spend a lot other than his car and I kind of had to come clean that I had $26,000 of credit card debt and I remember the kind of fear and the shame and to be honest I didn't think that he would kind of want to keep dating me but I knew that I would have to tell him if we were going to progress any further and to his credit he was quite shocked because I kind of tried to put on this lifestyle that to be honest was completely fake but it looked like I was successful, and what kinds and had of a lot things of money. did you do to look successful? I remember when I started earning, you know, not great money, but not terrible money. I went and you know bought the most expensive car that I could on a loan. Okay. So I bought you know a nice car when I was twenty-four, and so I was driving around in a pretty nice car. I lived in you know a expensive beach suburb in Sydney. I kind of always had latest clothes and was always happy to be going out and dinners and drinks and all those kinds of things. I had a nice, nice handbag, just all the things that, you know, you're trying to show that you've got this life that on the inside, I was kind of overspending to achieve. So, yeah, I think he was really shocked by my confession, but he kind of took it in his stride and he was like, well, you know, I get that this is kind of the situation that you've been in, but when, you know, you we need to figure out kind of how to overcome this. So, that was the point where I realized if I wanted to stay with him, I needed to change my ways, um, which was, it's kind of a big, like, it's, it was a really emotional kind of thing. I mean, especially starting to listen to podcasts like yours where I actually realized there was a lot of inherent beliefs that had kind of brought me to this point and I had to really, even now I struggle with you know, trying to overcome them still, but I've come a long, long way. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So I think, you know, my parents really tried to kind of do the best for us. So I definitely don't feel like they've kind of tried to do anything to, you know, give me any negative money mindsets. But... I do have a lot of memories, particularly now around money um, from my childhood. I remember, you know, just little things like, you know, your mum saying, oh, money doesn't grow on trees. I remember my my parents fought a lot over money. Um, it was sort of kind of the main argument that they had. And my parents were very vocal about their fighting. Like they did it in front of us. They did it loudly. So we could kind of see that a lot from a really young age. But then there was sort of, I guess, bigger events like... I remember once, my my younger, so I'm the oldest, I've got two brothers, my youngest brother kind of were at the beach one day and he basically ran into the water and nearly drowned and my dad had to run in after and kind of pulled him out and it was sort of like a lake on the side of the beach and I remember a little while later, this receipt kind of floated up and it was from my dad's wallet and he'd bought a new watch and my mum found the receipt and she was like, what is this? and My dad had kind of had like 10 watches and there was no reason for him to buy an expensive new watch, but he had. And I remember that being a huge kind of argument that they had. So, there was secrets around money, particularly from my dad. And then we actually, you know, again, we we still had a really nice lifestyle. We would fly business to holidays and all that kind of stuff when I was quite young but it was very much sort of that keeping up with the Joneses like we went to private schools so we were surrounded by people that had money but I remember my mum would always say things like oh well you know they must be getting money in illegal ways or they must be having someone else pay their school fees because who like I don't know how they can have all this money so there was sort of always these undercurrents of like you know basically them trying to prove that they were kind of at that you know, I, I don't know, not at that level, but I guess they were kind of trying to dismiss how other people got their money because they felt that they worked really hard and they weren't kind of at that level. And then one of the biggest things that happened, so when I was about I think I was in year nine which is about 15 and I remember my mum so I actually and again I've always had a really good work ethic so I used to since you know 13 and nine months which is the legal working age in Australia I got a job at a cafe and I was earning I think it was the minimum wage at the time which was six dollars an hour and I would go there after school and work an hour and a half so I basically would earn you know nine dollars and then catch the train and the bus home which would basically cost three or four (laughs) dollars and come home and so really if I think about it now I'm not sure why I did that right (laughs) but it was that work ethic that I kind of had and I remember one day after work mum picked me up and she looked really upset and I kind of thought someone had died or something like it, it was really like she was just devastated. And I got in the car and she said, well, I have something to tell you. So, we'd actually got on just back from this beautiful ski trip and we'd had this lovely time. And she broke the news to me that that day, my parents actually both worked at the same company and they both had quite good jobs there. It was a small company here in Sydney, but my dad was the financial controller of the company. Mm-hmm. And he had actually been embezzling money for a while. Wow. And that's how we had been sustaining this lifestyle. We built a house with it. We'd gone on these trips with it. And basically, eventually he got caught. And and now, so did your mom
0: know while it was happening or was it a secret from her as well?
1: No, she had no idea. So, my mom is a saver and she's very conservative and very, very straight. <laughs> so, she had absolutely no idea that this was happening. I think she knew that there was this kind of nice lifestyle, but I don't think she kind of obviously, had kind of dug deeper to to figure out exactly where it was all coming from. So, that was a huge turning point for me and I think for our family. I remember for weeks after that, so my dad, he actually avoided going to jail by paying back the money. But the way that we had to do that was we actually had to borrow from family and friends to be able to pay that money back and over the years and years following my parents had to pay that back over time and I remember this time where literally we were going to these private schools because my parents at that time didn't want to try and rip us out but they had made payment arrangements and all kinds of things to extend our school fees. But we were, I was coming home to this beautiful big house that we'd built and we would sit in the dark and we would eat meals that had been donated to us. And so we were sort of living this weird life where it still kind of all looked nice from the outside, but my parents literally didn't want to turn the lights on so they didn't want to pay for electricity bills. Well, so, How did that was,
0: change how you saw your dad?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think to be honest, it was pretty devastating and I think it's still taking me a lot of time to kind of build up a relationship that has respect and trust and I don't think I'm still 100% there yet but I know that he did it for us. He was trying to you know, give us all the things. And he's had a terrible childhood. So I think a lot of it for him was him trying to give us what he didn't have. So I know it came from a place of love. And I've had to kind of really go through the motions to kind of forgive him and to realize that he was coming from a good place. It was just obviously the execution of it that wasn't the right thing.
0: Right. (laughs) (laughs) So how do you think this impacted your relationship to your own money?
1: So I believe that, particularly, just all the little things over the years, but particularly that kind of final, I guess, straw, was the thing that actually made me really hate money. I felt as though it was something that caused, obviously, a lot of pain it's and like a like lot this of instrument tooth. of
0: pain. yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I actively hated it. And I even would say things I remember in my late teenage years, just when I got my first credit card. And the way that I saw credit cards at that time was literally like, oh, my $1,000 credit card, I have $1,000 to spend. And it was sort of like hitting the limit was like, you know, what you were meant to do. It's a Um, gift card. Yeah, basically. And I would say things to people like, oh, well, I don't want to die with money in the bank because then you will have sort of wasted your life. And I would say these things that obviously were so destructive, but I just didn't really kind of think of it in any other way I know that I also um, I didn't have respect for money because of the kind of the hate and the hurt and so and I would say things like I don't want to worry about money but that was sort of the way that I was kind of emulating that was that I would then just overspend and not think about the consequences so I think you could probably have gone two ways in that you wanted to really save and not have the kind of issues or you could just be destructive and overspend and I obviously went that way (laughs) and to be honest one thing that I also realize is that my dad has is definitely an overspender he still is to this day and I see it and I kind of you know I wish better for him but I also sometimes see I see that period in my life as me kind of being exactly like him which is funny because it wasn't obviously my intention at all I kind of wanted to not be like him.
0: Right well and how long did it take him to pay back the money?
1: To be honest, I don't even know. It was never an open conversation at home. I know that like over the years, I've kind of heard, I guess, bits and pieces. I know the certain people that they'd loaned from. It was interesting because when my dad, obviously, both of them lost their jobs at that time because they were working at this small company. And so, you know, with no income and having to also pay back this money, it was obviously a really tough time. And My mum's always been a strong woman and she's always been, you know, really smart and had good jobs. And so, she went out and got a full-time job that she absolutely hated and she had to drive really far to get there. She was an accountant. So, that was kind of what she was doing. And my dad didn't work for a long time because obviously, when you've got that sort of thing on your resume, it takes a long time to kind of figure out how you can get a job and he was also really depressed so mum basically was the kind of driving force that pulled us through that and I honestly don't know how she did it because I know it was in the hundreds of thousands of dollars that she had to pay the money back I know that we also had all of our normal bills and all of that stuff and so like I mean absolute kudos to her that we still stayed in all of our schools and she managed to kind of get us through to the other end of that but I think it was really really hard for her to do that
0: unbelievable yeah <laughs> nice thing to go through okay so you are a teenager you're saying things like i hate money i don't want to die with money and you get credit cards and you run them up to the limit and so and now what that looks like and then you mentioned to me kind of in our conversations before that you sort of naturally became a high earner so you were getting good jobs right
1: Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know, I did quite well at school. I went to a uni course or a college course that I really wanted to do. And then, straight out of uni, I got, you know, a really good entry level job. So, I think my first job was I think I was earning $40,000, which isn't a lot, but I quickly kind of moved up. So, I was at an advertising agency in Sydney and and I kind of moved up to um, being in a pretty good position um, there. And then, I, and then I kind of jumped to another company essentially because I could earn more money there. So by the time I was about 23, 24, I was earning 75 grand a year. Mm-hmm. And that's where I bought my really expensive car <laughs> on loan, on a five-year loan with a huge balloon, um, which didn't mean anything to me at the time. I was like, yeah, whatever, like I can drive around in this car. Yeah. So, and then, you know, sort of since then, I've kind of, I have moved up really quickly into my position now where I'm on 180000 a year. So, I've kind of always had, especially for my age, I think I've always had a pretty good income.
0: Yeah. That's great. And so, the money's coming in, but when you're still in this hate relationship with money, how are you spending it? What's happening in your accounts and in your spending?
1: Yeah, I think it was a lot of balancing. So, obviously, I kind of had a lot of, I guess, a lot of bills. I had my car loan. I had rent because I had moved out and then was kind of living in nice areas. I'd spent quite a lot on, and I also had my credit card debt, so I was trying to pay, obviously, the minimum of that, although sometimes not. <laughs> but I had also just, you know, going out nice and needing to buy new clothes for things and Presence and you know all kinds of things. So I was just absolutely earning less than I was spending for sure.
0: Okay, but is there any really important events that happened in between there?
1: Yeah, the only thing that I kind of remembered was actually right before I met Tom, my husband. I literally the New Year's Eve of 2014 I remember I literally after just buying presents for everyone I couldn't afford rent and so I had to get one of those quick loans that they charge you like a crazy amount of interest for and that was like my low point (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. And so, what's the driving force behind? I mean, there obviously you can do math. You sort of knew you were overspending on these gifts. What do you think was the commitment at the helm? What was driving
1: that? In terms of the gifts? Yeah, like, why
0: do you spend so much on gifts that you then have go have to go get a payday loan?
1: I think it was honestly that whole. Um, wanting to kind of be perceived a certain way um, that obviously wasn't the reality but I also like I am a generous person and so for me not gifting people wasn't an option and like and also just not wanting to come clean about my situation as I said even to this day my family don't actually know how bad it was because I don't think they would have not not being supportive, but it would have been this real kind of shame thing, especially having gone through what I did with my dad. So I think it was really kind of me trying to play smokes and mirrors. And I again, I think I always kind of just, just deferred it. I was like, oh, well, I'll get this loan now. And then when I'm earning more money, then I'll figure it out.
0: Right. Ugh. So there you are. <laughs> You've got your payday loan. You pay rent. And you know what was that like? Did you have to go down to like, is there an office
1: where you apply for one of those loans or how did that happen? No, it was online. So that was kind of good because I think, I think if it had been a physical experience, I think it would have been so shameful that like, I, can't, I don't know how I would have done it. But having said that, I mean, obviously the experience of getting it online and then you have to pay it back within a month or two and you've got to pay I think I got a $1,000 loan. I had to pay like $200 of interest. It was so ridiculous. And that was sort of the point where I was like, okay, like I can't really do this anymore. And then I met Tom about a month later. And so I think it was that time where I was already feeling like this is not something that I can keep doing and then meeting him and kind of understanding where he was coming from and wanting to change Because of him, it was sort of the combination of, I think, a few little factors there. Right. Okay, perfect. And so
0: so you make the decision. You have this moment of truth with Tom. You tell him you're $26,000 in debt. He's surprised, but he doesn't say we can't date anymore.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) And so what happened next? So then we, so this is actually kind of a yeah, fun time for us. So we met and very quickly realised it was quite serious. And part of that was actually that I had been applying for a job in the US. So about a month into our relationship, I actually got that job. And I remember it was sort of this thing where we were like, I told him, I was like, oh, I've, I've been applying for this job for six months. I'd been going through this interview process and it was amazing, you know, Forbes 500 company. It was moving to New York. It was sort of that dream that I'd kind of always wanted. And so, I kind of told him and, you know, he was really supportive. He was like, you have to do it. It's your dream. And then we kind of joked and were like, well, would you come with me? And then... He basically was like, well, yeah, actually, I've got nothing to lose. So, we both decided to move to the US together. And I think that was kind of, again, the defining moment for us when we were making that commitment. But it was very early in our relationship, obviously, compared to normal people. (laughs) So, we moved to New York in July 2015 and... A lot of that process, so I was obviously in debt when we moved, but moving to New York, even though my company paid for relocation, it still doesn't cover anywhere near the kind of setup of life costs, especially in somewhere like New York. And even just things like not being American and having to get a rental property where you don't have credit history or anything like that it was even just with that whole process you have to basically get a guarantor and you've got to pay for that and there was a lot a lot of kind of expenses to set up there that I don't think either of us had foreseen Mm -hmm. and so essentially you know and this was kind of all credit to Tom he put a lot of basically all of his savings towards us setting up there and because I had a job but he was just my boyfriend at the time he couldn't get a de facto visa or or any kind of visa like that and so he was just on a tourist visa so he couldn't actually work and so again, like we were, especially living in somewhere like New York, where I had a good salary at this stage. I was on 150 grand plus a bonus, but even still, you know, rent in New York, we were paying just over 4,000 a month, two of us living, kind of on the one salary. And I was actually trying to pay the minimum 401k that I could because we had a company match. So, you know, I was trying to do all the right. I had health insurance for both of us. So. I was trying to do all the right things there but essentially we weren't quite making ends meet while he wasn't working and so a lot of his savings just went into us kind of living there and me living my dream (laughs) and then we got engaged over in New York and obviously planning the wedding was very expensive (laughs) and we tried to do the cheapest wedding that we could so basically I think Once we moved to New York, we kind of went through most of his savings and not being irresponsible like I have been in the past, but just living. And so, where it actually got us to was, you know, basically kind of backed to zero for both of us. And that was – I think it was really hard for our relationship, but it was really hard for him because – particularly because, you know, he'd come – from a situation where I talked about earlier where he was sort of almost a bit of a hoarder. He loved having a lot of savings in the bank. It was sort of what he got a lot of worth from. Mm -hmm. And so, that whole experience of kind of going to yeah to virtually zero through living in New York and through the wedding was really hard. And that was also really why I was so determined to change because I could see that, you know, we had to kind of make this commitment like obviously he'd made the commitment to marry me he'd made the commitment to support us a lot while we were over there and so I knew that I had to change because I couldn't do that to the per the one person in the world that had kind of done everything he could to support me financially okay that's when I came across your
0: podcast (laughs) (laughs) really so you started reaching out for resources were you reading books do you talk to your friends what are all the things that you did
1: yeah um, I think it was basically all resources Um, I definitely didn't really talk to friends about it again I think it was something that I was so ashamed of that I didn't really want it to be kind of well known the position that I was in so yeah I kind of started I literally think you know I just kind of started googling and kind of looking at podcasts you know personal finance and that sort of thing and I came across a few um, that I listened to in the early days and I think it's sort of evolved from there but I've read a bunch of books now kind of done a lot of yeah just research on money mindset stuff because I think and I realized at that time that that was really my problem you know, you could budget till the cows come home. But until you really were able to understand why I was making kind of irrational decisions around money, that was kind of where everything started to shift.
0: Mm. And what was that realization? Was it just that it had emotional ties?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like, and even now, I still like even, you know, it's Christmas time, and I'm, you know, having to kind of go out and spend a bit of money. And I can still see it's almost like I kind of switch off sometimes when I go to kind of give money to pay for something. It's sort of like this detachment. I don't even know how to describe it, but it comes back to that whole, like, I don't want to have to, you know, worry about it sort of a thing. But it's weird because now I sort of flip between that detachment and then this over kind of worried place and then kind of come back to okay i need to not worry about it so i definitely still like i mean we've turned ourselves around absolutely financially but i know that it's like this kind of money mindset stuff is not quick to turn around it's not instant and it's something that i have to constantly work at
0: so how much debt did you pay off
1: so, you paid all of it off. So, at the start of this year, when we came, so we were in New York for about 18 months mm-hmm. and then we decided to come back to Australia. My husband actually kind of wasn't loving New York. we were from the beaches in Sydney and it's a different life there, kind of big city and all of that. So, we moved back, yeah, in sort of December, just before Christmas actually last year. And I remember, so we saved. You know, towards the so in the first probably nine months of us being in New York, we spent kind of everything just setting up, and with Tom not working. And then once we got married, he was able to start working. I was kind of getting much better after doing my research about how to manage our money better, how to kind of save first rather than last um, each month, and those kinds of things, and starting to automate things. And then that's where we were able. Did you automate your savings? Yes, yes, we did. Perfect. Sorry, I was saying, even things like I knew that, you know, there was going to be months where, you know, you had to pay three fortnights of rent, or sorry, you call them bi weekly rents. And so I kind of was looking ahead and planning for that stuff more so than I ever had in my life. Yes, yeah, so we kind of managed to save our first 10 grand towards the end of 2015, or 20, no, towards kind of middle of 2016, I guess. Mm-hmm. And we were keeping, we were paying off my loan in Australia still, but kept that ten grand. I, I guess more for like emergency funds instead of kind of putting it all into the loan and then kind of having something pop up and then it being a situation where we're having to loan more. Right.
0: And so, how did you decide what dollar amount? So you you created the emergency savings and then you're paying off the debt. And did you pay off the rest of the debt before you did more savings?
1: Yeah, so we were paying off, I was paying off more than the minimum of the debt, but not kind of a huge amount until we had enough where I felt like we had that kind of comfortable buffer. And then when we moved back to Australia, what at that time was also great was that, you know, my bonus came in from work. And so I remember... I think at that time I had about $14,000 left in the debt. So that had just been obviously paid off over the last kind of three or four years slowly, just above the minimum kind of amount, I think about $100 over the minimum. And then when we got back to Australia, I remember the moment of being able to take, I took a $14,000 check into the bank from my bonus and paying that off. (laughs) But that felt good. Yeah, but I remember kind of, I was so excited about it and the teller kind of took my check and went away and kind of paid it off and was like, there you go. And I was sort of like, what? You're not throwing me a party? <laughs> 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 so they just obviously weren't, they weren't that thrilled, but I was so excited. So, yeah, so that was like, so it was only really a year ago that I cleared all of the debt.
0: That is or amazing. Not even
1: January this year. So, yeah, and that what's was the amazing.
0: savings account balance now.
1: So, I was kind of trying to look at it before. So, savings in cash, we've got about $28,000. But then we also – so, obviously, through listening to your podcast and doing a lot of my own research, we've also started an investment account. Mm -hmm. So, over the last, I guess, year, I've ended up putting about $16,000 into that, into Vanguard, like index funds. And then we – so, in Australia, we've got what's called superannuation, which is the 401k. Mm-hmm. And as I said, in the US, I'd been putting money towards my 401k with the company Match. And so, again, when we moved back, there was a payout from that that was actually great for our savings. So, there was that, my bonus, there was a few little things that was kind of like we actually were able to get in quite a large amount of money in, you know, a relatively short time just through kind of, I guess, doing the right things while we were um, in the US and kind of keeping our budget low and stuff. So, at the moment, we have between the two of us $90,000 in our superannuation.
0: Amazing. Um,
1: Yeah. And then we've also, we've just recently, because we moved back, we've had Sydney's sort of a bit like... LA, and that you sort of need a car to get around. So, we've had to make a few purchases, but you know, in terms of cars for both of us and that sort of thing. But so, all up, if I actually look at kind of our car assets, in, and I look at this in terms of the amount we would sell them for and not how much we bought them for. But if I look at everything kind of together, we actually have a net worth of just over $240,000. Congratulations. Thank you. How does it feel? <laughs> It feels amazing. I mean, it's amazing how quick it's happened once I've really set my mind to it. And that's kind of I guess it's funny because I kind of can't believe how far that we've come, but I've also at the same time got some pretty, you know, big financial goals that I've started to list and you know, I can kind of see how I even though they're pretty big, I can see how I could achieve them now. Because really, we've kind of turned things around about $200,000 in the last sort of year or two. So I can't see why we can't achieve it long term.
0: Right. It's like confidence breeds confidence, you know. Absolutely. (laughs) That is incredible. And so are you and your husband able to talk easily about money? I imagine it's much easier now that the numbers are well into the positive. But how's your partnership?
1: You know, I think it's still something that is, I mean, we're both highly emotional about money and we come from different places. So, I don't think we're quite in a position where it's easy yet. It's not because the numbers are in a positive, but I think it's still like we do have, we come from really different places. And so, we have different, I guess, values a little bit around money. And so, we're definitely much more open and we have, you know, regular conversations and we try both of us to kind of take our emotionality out of it. But I wouldn't say it's kind of fun and easy quite yet. (laughs) It's funny because one of the things that my husband sort of did, like he was, you know, this amazing saver and the hoarder that I kind of talked to talk about, but he kind of had to switch off when we started having to kind of, I guess, spending a lot of his money while we're in the US. He kind of couldn't deal with it. So, I became, I guess, the money kind of controller and I still sort of am to date. So, I set all of our budgets. I kind of, I've automated everything now, which was a huge step and that's kind of what I would absolutely recommend and I know that you talk about it a lot as well but even still like you know moving stuff around if like we had to buy a couch for our new place and just little things like that mm-hmm. I kind of control all of that I do all of the bills I kind of tell him where we're at and I've kind of expressed to him that I'd love for him to become more involved so that we have more of a partnership so I think it's an ongoing journey I think we're getting closer but it's not quite there yet <laughs>
0: good good well I think it's great for people to hear that you don't have to have every single duck lined up in order to have the numbers be positive and have yourself be on the right trajectory. Now, real quick, and I don't mean to put you on the spot, but I do want to ask you, are there specific things you heard on Profit Boss Radio that really helped? We talked about automation. I know you mentioned investing in index funds. And by the way, that's not an investment recommendation. It's simply a good idea to get a good portfolio built by someone who's a professional. Thanks for letting me put that caveat in. Anything else that you heard on the podcast that really helped?
1: I mean, I think obviously, and I I think I kind of, you know, once I found your podcast, I went back and, you know, looked at the TED Talk that you did and did your money mindset exercises to kind of discover, you know what my mindsets were and kind of be aware of them and, and look at ways to overcome them. That to me was kind of, I guess, step one, even you know more so than the automation stuff. Yes. So, that was a huge one and I love that you talk about that so often and that's kind of made me go off into other directions of research. So, that's a big one. I think one of the other things around particularly investing that you talk a lot about is just the it's given me a lot more confidence in terms of I guess when I was younger I know my parents made a few bad investments or they did lose a lot of money in the 2008 crash and so but what they did is that they pulled their money out at the bottom which is I know like locking in your losses and so Not that we've been through kind of anything like that since, but I still sort of hope – I feel like I have the confidence now where with my investments, I'm kind of putting it there and I don't want to touch it even when it goes bad. And so, it's really kind of given me that confidence that I guess I didn't really think of before, that approach to investing where – You don't need to kind of worry about it that, you know, the returns over a hundred years, you know, tend to have an average return of eight to 10%, you know, or eight percent, I think we usually talk about. So it's those kinds of things that I think have given me the confidence to do things like investing where I never ever would have thought about it before because I had seen bad examples from my parents.
0: Perfect. Beck, I really appreciate your contribution here. I'm just blown away by your story. And I know it's going to inspire people, especially knowing sort of from whence you came, because honestly, the pain you've suffered in the area of money is far more than most people suffer. So it's kind of like, well, if you can do it, most of us can do it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So thanks for being a listener. Thanks for being vulnerable today and telling your story.
1: No problems. Thank you so much for all your help. I honestly could not have done it without you. (laughs)
0: Oh, you're so welcome. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Profit Boss Radio. If you liked it, share it with an artist or creative that you love. And whether you're a painter or a mathematician, may you have all the freedom and prosperity you want.